Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journey of female business owners. We're glad you joined us today. We're here with tips of love and stories of hope for all of our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Um, Sarah, I think uh, today you kind of bailed me out because I had to quickly text you. <laughs> say, I don't know if I'm prepared. <laughs> so I shared my notes with you. So you shared your notes. So I just wanted to thank you live because I got, started to get a little panicky. Um, no, because... never mind that. Always let me know. I'll send them over. Good. I do it every, just about every time. Well, that's great. It made me just um, feel like you had my back. So thank you. Well, <laughs> you know, you're working super hard making pallets of sauce. I know it's a wild ride, but um I've got to do it. <laughs> and you, hey, the uh, food news today is uh, the Good Food Awards is accepting their entries June 1st through the 30th. Mm -hmm. So all you foodies out there, make sure and email at connect at goodfoodfdn.org and, you know, sign up. It's $78 to enter. Well, and I think... Um, uh, I maybe I should have checked this before. <laughs> Here's a fact that's not checked. Um, if you are in a market of choice vendor, they have two spots left. So I don't know if it's gonna. Oh maybe yeah, too late because sometimes they'll pay your fee for you. Yeah, watch to for enter it next year. Enter in. Yeah, so mm -hmm. enter that. Enter that next year. I I um, know John Boyle sent out an email, but I hadn't read it yet. So I forwarded it to you, so you have it double. Oh, okay. <laughs> Times two. Yeah. So if you're interested in entering the Good Food Awards, get those entries in. I think it closes pretty soon. Yeah. And rumor has it there's going to be something happening here in Portland. I don't have all the details, but. Cool. I might as well I've, spread rumors. Yeah. <laughs> might as well. If we're not checking facts, say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Let's just spread rumors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good food news. Thanks for sharing that today. You're so Sarah and I are not alone today. We are joined in the studio by Michelle Davis. She is the president and CEO of, you know, I should have asked how to say your business before we were on air, but is it cacao? Co-cacao. Co-cacao. And cacao. I get it. I okay. get it. I have to admit, when I did the search online, I spelled it wrong, and I ended up at a Japanese anime website with some unsavory <laughs> drawings. You might check it out. <laughs> a little People mistake. <laughs> they have trouble with our name, you know, because our product is based on coconut and cacao. So if you Whoa. think of it as co and cacao. Now that you say that to me, it makes total sense. But <laughs> even when I was typing it in, my computer kept auto-correcting it. So it kept saying... Coco cow. Yeah. Co-cow. C-O-C-O-C-A-O. Yeah. Is what, yeah. That's what I typed in. But it's co-cacao. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> We've All heard right. a lot of variations on our name. <laughs> well, now that I have it right, <laughs> tell us what it is that you make. <laughs> yeah, tell us more about it. <laughs> so we make 12 chocolatey bites of paradise. So we are a coconut and cacao confection, technically not chocolate because we don't have the cocoa butter level. So we are a confection, but it's chocolate. Uh, we have 12 pre-portioned pieces. And the thing that's kind of unique is that we are made out of 
our base is only three organic ingredients. So we've got the organic virgin coconut oil, organic coconut nectar for the sweetener, and then the cacao powder. And that's it. We add in hazelnuts, of course, or mint oil or dried blueberries. But the base is just the three. So you get this milk chocolatey mouthfeel without mm -hmm. any dairy. That's cool. And I love how you're packaging it. Can you tell us how you decide to package individually, individual pieces in one box? So our packaging has been a five-year story. Mm -hmm. uh, we started out five years ago. Actually, next month is our anniversary. Yay! And uh, we started out in just a basic white box with some labels slapped on it and a baggie of little individual pieces. And that's where we start out at the Cedar Mill Farmer's Market in Beaverton. Then when we got into uh, PSU and, and the Beaverton Farmer's Market, we were able to change it. And we only had the one flavor. So we changed it into a box of pre-portioned pieces. It was so cute. But at the Portland Farmer's Market, people wanted to take it with them. And as you may know, coconut oil-based chocolate does not travel well in heat. Melting. Yeah. And since the farmer's markets were our only source of revenue, really, at the time, we had to change our packaging to this pre, this fudge tray that was like a quarter pound. Mm. And we would steal the chocolate in a bag. Then we'd put it in the tray. Then we'd seal the whole thing again in another plastic bag. Oh, <laughs> there was a lot of plastic and this quarter pound bar retailed for $10 and it worked as far as being able to, then we could get it out further and we were able to develop some flavors and things, but it was never what we wanted. Uh, the bar was huge. Market of choice was fantastic to even bring us on as our first big store with mm. that $10 bar of chocolate. Um, and so we were able to get into a few locations with that, but it still wasn't what we wanted. So when COVID hit mm. and everybody's world went upside down, we could no longer sample at farmer's markets. And how do you sell a $10 bar of chocolate if you can't try it? it we couldn't. So we used that time to completely rebrand and get the packaging that we were wanting originally, which was the pre-portioned pieces in all of our flavors now and we're just going straight for retail locations we do ship off our website but our main focus is the wholesale accounts going through distribution well and i think that um the packaging is turned out beautiful when i saw it on your website because i've seen you know you at the farmer's market with us and i i knew what your packaging looked like and then when i pulled up your website again i was like oh is this a different business because <laughs> it lo it looks so beautiful it looks so good you guys did a great job and i do think that for all of us not being able to sample really set everyone into a different place where it's like we not that we thought we were dependent on that, but I think sampling is just a big part of what we do. It's part of sharing with people. It's part of meeting your customer. It's part of chatting with them. And then you can tell them more about their business. And so then when that all went away, I think all of us had to look at it, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. and so it, for you, it's, it is kind of like a, I mean, a pivot, if you will. It's something yeah. that came out of COVID, but it's a really wonderful one. Your packaging looks beautiful. And I think that you don't need to educate people so much on it because they'll just see it and buy it, you know, and then try it. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been really good because we're still not sampling in the stores, um, yeah. as you know, and we have seen that people are willing to take a chance now on this box with a $4.99 retail price instead of a $10 one. Mm -hmm. And so we're, our velocity in the stores has increased even without the sampling, which is yeah. great because as we know, standing there for three hours, that gets really long. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was really smart. It's a good move on your guys' part. I'm into it. I like yeah. it too. Can it was you after tell a few tears, you know, when, when everything <laughs> shut down, it's like, well, there goes everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But you did it. Look at you. Yeah. That's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your best friend? Uh, my best friend would be my husband. <laughs> so 
our story, you know, is not the, well, we had this dietary need, so we came up with this product. We like to say our story is death, divorce, and chocolate. Mm. And the reason is Jeff is the one and he's my, uh, he's the co-founder, but I own the company. So (laughs) it was a negotiation we worked out, (laughs) but he's the one that came up with the recipe and he was living in Utah at the time with his wife, not me. And he came up with this because he did have a health need. He was on a very restrictive diet. He loves sweets. He's a foodie. So he came up with this little treat um, for himself, shared it with some friends and family and started to do a lot of research about how to scale a company and all of the world of things like that. And he, he thought, you know, this could be a company. Right at that same time, he got a job offer in Portland. Hmm. So he took the job offer and thought, well, what better place to launch a company than a food company in Portland? Yeah. And he came here and started looking for a place for he and his wife to live. But when he left, she wasn't feeling very well Hmm. and did some tests. Looks like it was cancer. So they scheduled an appointment with an oncologist. He returned home after only being gone for four weeks and she died the night he arrived back home. Oh. So that just, you know, throws you into a little bit of a tailspin. But he knew he was supposed to be here in Portland. And he came back, no friends or family. Um, but he came back to work at the new job he had. Now, my side of it is I was also in Utah, but in a different spot. Hmm. And I had been in a marriage for 26 years and got divorced. Hmm. So I needed a a change and I just felt prompted to move to Portland. I hadn't really been here, didn't have anybody here. And so I picked up, packed a U-Haul, moved out here, Hmm. found a job because my degree is in accounting and started looking for someone to date, couldn't Hmm. find a date. And after about a year of that, Jeff reached out to me through Facebook. Mm. And six weeks later, we were married. Boom. (laughs) Don't waste any time. I am in my 50s. I don't have time to waste. Can you explain that to us? I just don't understand. (laughs) Well, when you've already been married and divorced and and gone through a spouse death, why play games? So we just... In the first two dates, dumped everything out of all the skeletons out of the closets. Are Mm -hmm. you good? You're good. Let's continue on. And so, yeah, we didn't want to waste time. But he did ask me on our first date, do you like chocolate and coconut? And I thought my husband asked me if I I like spaghetti. Ah, See, these are the the key questions you need to First date, can you make a good spaghetti? Did your husband ask you a food question, Sarah? No. no. <laughs> we went we went to a metal show. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, it all works. Yep. It I works. mean you find your person and they're it. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. So we were two years into a new marriage blending nine children. Luckily, not all of them lived with us at that time. And at that time, eight grandchildren and decided, hey, we're 50. Let's launch a new business. So that's what we did. Wow. It's been five years. I feel like your story could be, I mean, I watch a lot of Lifetime movies. (laughs) I feel like it could be one. put it on TV. (laughs) I'm all for it. Yeah, a Hallmark movie in the making. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> One yeah, of the other gals we had on as a producer, we could have her make the movie. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We're going to make you famous. <laughs> All right. <laughs> as long as everybody goes out and buys some Coca-Cola. <laughs> as, um, you mentioned you have an accounting degree. Has that helped you in this business? Well, it has um, because I don't need a bookkeeper to mm-hmm. help me. But if you know, accountants and salespeople usually don't exist in the same body. It's true. Because that's not our thing. And so this running this business has really had to push me outside of my comfort zone. I've done things I never would have thought possible. Like 
you know, I've pitched at Thai events, uh, different pitches, different angel food, you know, different competitions. That was not my comfort zone to be standing up in front of people pitching like that or trying to sell. So it's definitely been um, really helpful to at, you know, my age to learn new skills, to learn how to get outside of that little bubble you're in and experience new things. Did you My go kids to don't recognize toast, me. Toastmasters <laughs> or how did you figure out how to do the pitch? I didn't. I just uh, stress a lot. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you just watch and learn. Cause I, I was talking with uh, Amy Germain from Accelerate yeah. who saw me do one of my earlier pitches and yeah. then she saw me pitch to become part of Accelerate and she laughed at the difference in, in how it was from the beginning to now. The first time you speak about stuff can be so scary. I remember the first time I spoke in front of the university, I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I don't, I'm not a what? It was so nerve wracking. It can be so scary. But once you do it the first time, then you can figure out, oh, this is not so bad. Right. And you just, next time you do something a little different and it makes it a little easier. But the nerves beforehand for me never go away. Once I'm up, I'm okay. But those beforehand nerves, that's what gets you. I always like speaking in front of people. Like I feel like um, it's, I feel like it's fun. But what I have never done is any of the, um, I'm not a competitive person. So I never enter any of the, cause you know, these things come up for us as business owners mm-hmm. a lot where it's like different, different kind of pitches, different kind of competitions, all these different things. I've never done any of them mm. because I'm like, ah, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I want whoever wins to get it or whatever. But I also will do that with awards too. Like I won't uh, enter the award things because I'm like, Oh, it's not really my thing, but I don't know where that puts, if it's a bad idea for our business or not. I guess we never really talk about that with other business owners. People either do that kind of thing. Um, so what made you decide to do the pitch competitions? Was it was it the award? Is it like getting noticed? What is it that makes you do it? It's probably, um, I don't care so much about the award. It's just getting our name out Yeah, because I'm not from here. And I didn't have any connections to anybody. Um, I just started meeting people at the farmer's markets. And then I found the little Google group that Hannah does. Uh And I would hear about these things. I'm like, well, that would be a good way to let us be seen a little more. Um, And so that's, that's probably the main thing. I mean, yeah, it would be great to win you know, some cash or something, (laughs) but you know, it's more like the exposure and connection to people. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely has formed a lot of connections just because when you're doing those things, um, especially like at pre COVID pitch fast, which was under tech fast, but they let CPG companies participate a few years ago. It was so fun. There were so many of us running around watching each other pitch and supporting each other. Uh, You know, you start seeing familiar faces and, you know, it's, it's the way I've been able to, you know, make friends. You're building your own community. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Um, Go ahead, Sarah. I saw you won an award at the chocolate festival down in Ashland. I think it's the Ashland one. It is. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We um, went to the Oregon chocolate festival in March of 2020, a week before everything shut shut down. down. (laughs) And that is a really fun event. Um, Ashland completely supports that event. There were so many people there. Ashland knows how to party. They do. It was a great event. And they bring in these judges. And, you know, we entered our hazelnut and sea salt because that is the most popular. And it came time to announce the awards. And my husband and I were at our booth and we're like, oh, whatever. You know, it's we're not going to win anything. And he's like, oh, just go over and see who wins. And all of a sudden they called out our name for best chocolate candy. And I was like, 
wasn't Holy even prepared smokes. for that one. <laughs> you didn't have a speech in your pocket. <laughs> Next time, go with a speech in your pocket. Need to go, yeah, bring it out of the pocket. <laughs> like, you know, I'd like to thank. <laughs> I'd like to thank all of these people. Yeah. So that mm. was really fun, especially when a week later, everything shuts down on us. <laughs> yeah, because it can it can kind of, you can carry that with you through the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that winning that award helped increase your sales? Did the buyers think that was cool? And did they seek you out afterwards? There really wasn't a whole lot of buyer interaction happening at that. That really was just local people uh, mm. coming out to eat a ton of chocolate. Mm. Um, it helped, it helped carry us a little bit through, uh, the beginning of COVID because we had on our boxes, on our case boxes, we had that award. So it was highlighting in the stores. Um, so it definitely helped with the retail sales for a while there. And now we've rebranded and it's not on there anymore, but, um, it's on the website. It's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, Do you think that they will do the event again? They actually did. Uh, During during COVID uh, this year, uh, the event organizers reached out to me and they held a virtual chocolate festival, which, you know, is amazing that they even attempted to do this. But people could, um, when they registered, they could get boxes of only you know, a certain number um, of people I was only upset. a certain number yeah I registered and I called them I'm like where's my box of chocolate and they're like well you had to come and pick it up in Ashland yeah. I was like I, I can't I'm in <laughs> yeah it was focused um you could get product in Ashland but this time the event had different speakers different topics and I got to be one of them oh, nice. and it went out you know to a huge email list. Um, I don't know if we noticed necessarily anything from it, but again, it was just another chance to practice presenting. So it was nice that they called to have us participate again because we're an alternative type of chocolate. If you won an award for the Oregon Chocolate Festival, you should submit your chocolate to the Sophie Awards from the Specialty Foods Association because they have a chocolate and candy section too. Is that's that great the, the Good Foods Awards that's happening no, right now? No, oh, it's a different. different. It's the Sophie. It's um, part of the Specialty Foods Association, SFA. Yep, okay. that would be a good one. Yeah, that, that one's a good one. I remember when I shared a kitchen with Neha from Masala Pop and she entered it and it got a lot of press. You know, if mm-hmm. um, when you whenever you win an award, I think that um, this is just a tip for... Um, anyone who wins some kind of award is to uh, definitely do, uh, you know, media inquiries and and write them about this award that you've won, and you can submit it to people, and then you, it's like, like a radio pre- and yeah, or like a press, press. release, mm-hmm. and and people will, especially the Oregonian, loves to write up different companies for, that are local that have won awards. So if that ever yeah. happens, for sure, pitch to them because then you can get in the paper, which is great exposure. If yeah. you're a member of the Specialty Foods Association, you can send press releases to them and they'll publish it for you for free as part of your membership. And yeah. see, this is information we don't know. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm here. here. I'm here to tell you. Yes, do it. And that's my favorite thing about whenever anybody comes on the show is that Sarah always has such wonderful advice. Oh, so for, do you for whoever is on the show, but it also pertains to many other people. Yes, so, like, there's true. all kinds of us that are doing all of these things, and we don't always know. I luckily get to talk to Sarah all the time and she always gives me great ideas of things to do. Oh, I have tons of ideas for everybody. I have no shortage of ideas. That's one of the bad things about me. Well, that's really great because I thought that was the same as the Good Food Awards because we've entered that twice. Okay. Um, So just to kind of clarify, they happen at the same time in San Francisco. And that's why people think that. That it's the same. Yeah, but yeah, they're totally, so totally the Good separate. Food Awards is usually in a venue right next to, for instance, the Moscone Center. It's like across the street, and it's separate. I like to call it the Masoni Center when we're there because I'm yeah. with you. 
<laughs> May as well be the Masoni Center. <laughs> They'll probably sue me now. <laughs> Maybe I should sue them for using my name. Yeah, exactly. It's my husband's name, not mine. I'm just borrowing it. <laughs> All right, ladies, we need to take a quick break and okay. we're going to come back and we'll talk about some of the flavors that you have. Ooh, yum. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. All right, we're back from break. Tell us a little bit about how we um, ended up with coconut and cacao together. <laughs> so uh, that was something, like I said, my husband came up with the coconut oil-based chocolate. It's It satisfies. Uh, we don't have any refined sugar in it. And so you don't get that, I need to eat more and more and more and more feeling that you get from traditional chocolate. And that coconut oil base is not only keto friendly for those following a keto diet, you can eat just a piece or two and be satisfied. You're not going to have to eat the whole thing. Although people do eat the whole thing. If I but... open something, <laughs> I eat the whole thing. <laughs> Let's see. So, so there's, well, um, three pieces as a serving size. So that's mm -hmm. pretty generous. Yeah. So you can have three pieces. Like I said, that really will pretty much do that, satisfy that sugar or that craving you have for something sweet. But you can eat the right whole there. thing. It's only 210 calories. I say eat the whole dang box. Is that right? <laughs> 70 no, calories a serving. Times four, 280. Yeah. That's Which less is than an ice cream sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> And so you guys started out with the main flavor, which is just the the coconut. original. Yeah. And then tell us about the other flavors that you've developed. Was that just this year? No, we developed the other flavors. Uh, we started off with a uh, blueberry, I believe, because I love blueberries. And I had an addiction problem with this bag of chocolate covered blueberries that you can get at oh. Costco. <laughs> and that was a single serve bag for me. And it was really bad. <laughs> and the migraines were kicking in because of the refined sugar. So the first flavor I came up with was to satisfy and replace that craving that I had. And so nice. have the dried organic blueberries, they come from a farm down in Sherwood. And Ooh. then um, mint, we added mint oil to them to get like a really nice after dinner mint taste. Nice. Then of course the hazelnut and sea salt. And that one was requested over and over again from people is, you know, the hazelnuts. So we had to find organic roasted hazelnuts, of course, you know, Jacobson sea salt. And that one is very popular. But of course, we jumped on the bandwagon of its fall. So we developed a pumpkin spice uh, that is Very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> available October through December. And our latest one, though, that did start this year with the new packaging was a cayenne cinnamon. Mm. And it does have some kick to it. That sounds good. <laughs> it's actually, um, you get a cinnamon taste and then the burn of the cayenne will hit, but Yum. it doesn't last a long time. So it's not like something you've got to go drink a bunch of milk. I know who would like that one. I know. This is, this is the thing. So when we started this show, we would have all the guests coming into the studio. They we would bring us all product. the things that they would make. We would taste them. I would always it. try the spicy things and be so happy. <laughs> and now it's a little bit trickier because I still do try every guest product, but it's usually after the fact. So I'll yeah. either order from their website or go, you know, to whichever store I'm at that I can get it at or get it from the farmer's market. I want to get some. I know. So I want to get some and I'm definitely going to try the spicy one for sure. I'm going to try the hazelnut and I'm going to try the mint. And is the mint a local and regional mint? 
It is not. I oh, talked, no. No, I talked with Mike <laughs> Seeley. Um, yeah, I did. I talked to him at one of the events we were doing together. And I asked him about his organic mint oil. And he's like, don't talk to me. I'm so backlogged with, with orders for that. <laughs> You know, you can, it's got to be, it probably meets the less than a certain percentage. You could still call it organic. Yeah, we just 98%. I mean, you're never going to put 2% mint oil in there. So you should be able to use this mint oil and still call your product organic. We went through and, and tried a bunch of different, you know, mint oils. And I just, there were some that not his, but other brands that tasted like toothpaste or something. So that's why finally found one that had the taste that I was looking that you for. were looking for yeah mm-hmm. have you thought about doing one that's white instead of you mean brown? like a like a for white us, cocoa well How the problem is yeah white chocolate is cocoa butter yeah with sugar in it um and we don't have the cocoa butter so I don't know how that would really work. We have to think about that. I wonder if we could figure That's it out. That's your expertise. Yeah. Is to figure that out for us. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll start thinking about it right now. Do you think you'll keep adding flavors or do you think that um, you'll leave it as is for a while? For a little while, we're going to leave as is as we stabilize a little bit and push more into the retail. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll still be coming up with uh different flavors. I, li- I like to talk sometimes about, about that because we do some seasonal flavors as well. And so sometimes what people don't understand is that they always want you to keep doing new things. And they're yeah. like, are you going to have new flavors? Are you going to do this? And the thing that is hard about that is like, I feel like I'm never short of ideas. I can always come up with these great things, but it costs a lot of money to come up with a new product because you have to not only try out all the different ways and until you get to the perfect one, which that mostly is taking your time, not necessarily money, but, um, but then you have to get the labels or the packaging and you have to order it in, you know, however many thousands it is to get the cost right. And then, um, you know, once you do that, you kind of, you have to stick with it. You can't change anything because that's the, you've ordered 10,000 labels or whatever it is. And that's the piece that people don't always get. (laughs) It's very cost, you know, it takes a lot of money. And then if you're just doing it like your seasonal one, you said the, um, the pumpkin spice you just do for a few months of the mm-hmm. year. So then you have all that packaging that you've paid for, which is really just money sitting on a shelf until you run it again the next year. And right. so that's just something for people to think about. If you're thinking about coming up with new flavors and they are going to be a holiday seasonal one, um, you really have to figure out if it's worth it in the long run for that cost, because sometimes it's just like sitting there. That's what happens with our cranberry red jalapeno sauce that we do because it seems to me at least in my world people only really want to buy cranberry stuff (laughs) during the holidays (laughs) except me who would have cranberry everything and that be a flavor I still want yeah cranberries (laughs) yeah I think it's more for because cranberry sauce so like mine because mine is a hot sauce people are like oh it's cranberry sauce so I only have it on Thanksgiving and Christmas and I'm like well you could have it all the time (laughs) but we had a hard time selling it outside of the season so that was one thing where we had ordered you know I think it was like 10,000 labels or something and then we just had to wait for the next year to come back around so you don't want to be stuck with pumpkin spice say in January because probably people they just think of it as in the fall you know yeah we pull it from the shelves um, yeah when basically by the end of January you know we'll go and make sure it's off all the shelves Uh, the other problem we ran into is when we rebranded we had submitted our organic paperwork but as we know that takes a long time to get through and we had to go ahead and print and a couple months after we had all of our boxes printed, that's when we got certified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we ha- are using up with some stickers our current boxes. We've printed our new ones, but the pumpkin spice, all those boxes we had printed for last year, now are not going to work again for this next year because now Shoot. we've got the new. I guess you could use stuff. a sticker, like you said. I thought about that, but then the other boxes have had a few little changes to them, so they would look different. 
So yeah, sometimes what we do is we'll keep, we'll use those ones just at the farmer's market where we can like tell people, you know, because there you're having like direct contact, but all your store ones could be the new version. And oh, that's a really good idea. That's a great idea. So we try to run through stuff that way. Yeah. Can you tell us about the coconut nectar you use? Where do you get that from? So uh, the coconut nectar comes from, you can get it from a hummingbird down in Eugene. Mm. And also they get it from a company called Leslie's Organics. What we found is nectar is just coconut sugar, basically hydrated. Um, They boil down the coconut nectar to make coconut sugar. And we started out with the nectar, but getting those five gallon plastic jugs in was kind of tricky. Yeah. And so when we rebranded and changed everything, we went ahead and we're now hydrating the coconut your sugar own nectar. back to the nectar. Oh, that's a great suggestion. You can, get, you can get coconut sugar, you know, so much easier than you can get the nectar coming in. I want to so know if you, did. have you ever tried freezing it into like an ice cream sort of a product instead of having it be a refrigerated product? Well, you can freeze this. It's just basically the exact same. It's just a little bit harder, but not not a whole lot. Uh, but it is great chopped up in ice cream. And oh. especially like the mint, if you just do little quick bursts in the microwave to melt it, then pour it over some ice cream. It creates this mint magic shell. Oh, so that's, oh, yeah. a, that's Good tasty. Trick. That's Yum. a good tip. I, um, my husband's dad listens to this podcast. So, um, John, you should try that because he loves magic shell. So he'll, he'll want to try, try that with bananas. Your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah drizzle over granola, you know, put the spicy one on a frozen banana. Mm. Yeah. People are saying to do that for the spicy one, to put it in a s'more. Oh, oh yeah. That's a great idea. Spicy Ooh, I'm going to have to get that situation. That sounds good. <laughs> so are you sourcing your cacao from the Southern Hemisphere? Where do you get your cacao from? So it is organic cacao powder that comes in from uh, the Dominican Republic and then another spot down in South America. Have you gone to so, visit there yet? Oh, I wish. <laughs> Marketing expense. Yeah, I know. You have yeah, to go you, inspect the crop. You better exactly. go. Yeah. You can, you can get someone to film it so that people can understand the making of your product. And then you get a cool trip and you get to film it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, That would be fun. That, that is, you know, on the bucket list of things to, to do someday is to actually go watch how they take it from, you know, the cacao pod. And it's so cool. I had not seen what, a cacao pod actually looked like I'd seen the dried ones, you know, that are yeah. always brown, yeah. but to see the vibrant colors and when you break it open to see them covered in this white fleshy stuff, that's actually sweet, a treat, you yeah. know, down there. So it is sweet it and yummy. really unusual. Are Do you, you guys a- back at the farmer's market or are you just doing mostly wholesale right now? We're going to just focus on wholesale. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, the farmer's market for us was a great place to meet people, but it was also a little bit of a crutch for me Mm -hmm. because I was comfortable. (laughs) And so it didn't push me out of that comfort zone to actually have to go and hustle for accounts. Mm -hmm. And so since we've done that, we've been picking up uh, more accounts by not being comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how do you usually get new accounts? Because people uh, all have different strategies. So what do you guys do? Oh, I am actually going to be learning more about that um, because I don't think I've been doing it exactly right. I, I thought the strategy of being the squeaky wheel gets the grease approach, you know, kind of follow up, follow up, follow up. I've now learned that is not a good plan (laughs) 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 that, uh, you know, there, even after five years, there's definitely some things I need to work on. Um, but my right now, the buyers are doing zoom meetings and they are working a lot through email. Uh, so I send the sell sheet email, try and get some interaction going 
And then of course, send them samples so they can try it. Um, and today we found out we've been approved for natural grocers. So Yay, congratulations. Yeah, um, that's a, they have a lot of stores. How many yeah. stores do they have? Uh, over a couple hundred, I think. Ooh, that's and, big. Yeah, you do have to go for each store. You've just been approved by corporate. But yeah, um, yeah so that was really exciting. We've tried three times and this was our third try. Third and time's the charm. We did it. We got approved. Are you in so. Whole Foods? No. Okay. Yet. Um, you're in New Seasons. You're, are you seasons. in New Seasons? Market yep. of Choice. Market of Choice, Green Zebra, uh, Barber World Foods, um, Zoo Pans. We just got into Zoo Pans a few months ago. Yay. And uh, and then we're in some Roths locations. What about Made in Oregon? So I talked with Made in Oregon and at it was that time it was our big bar. And so mm-hmm. the problem Call is, them back. They have a whole new buying staff there. Do they yeah. have refrigeration? Yes. That's what we run into is the refrigerated issue. They do have a refrigerator in their stores. Do they? Yeah, because yeah, they do they do beer and stuff. That uh-huh. they sell refrigerated. All right. Yep. I think you're probably again. great in there. Yeah, I think so too. And I know because um, even when I shared a kitchen with Portland Creamery, they they took on their um, cheese yeah, that needed cheese to be refrigerated. So yeah, for okay. sure they do. That would be a great place for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look at it every time I fly out in the airport. It's like, oh, <laughs> we need to be in that place. <laughs> yeah, you should. Do you purchase that um, coconut oil here in Portland from a vendor? I know one. (laughs) Do you? Yeah. We used to get it from Hummingbird, but it was in the great big five-gallon buckets, Mm -hmm. and that was hard for us to melt. Mm -hmm. So we actually can get it from Costco, easier melting right now. Someday we want to get it in a big drum. Okay, so you could it. contact Bridgewell Agribusiness. Pat. Pat and I have talked. We were too oh, small for him. Too small. Time. Oh, yeah. shoot. Where, yeah, Pat and I have talked. Where do you guys um, make your confections? Do you have like a commercial kitchen or do you share one? What's your... No, we have our own commercial kitchen in Beaverton. Um, we used to... Actually, the other half of the building used to be Stella's, but she's moved on to bigger space now. And so we've got, we have our own. And the reason we didn't go with a commissary, which I know a lot of people listening go with commissary kitchens. um, The reason we didn't is because of the amount of storage we needed and you have to pay for the storage in a commissary kitchen. We also needed the ability to (laughs) maybe this week we're only there a couple hours a day, but next week we'll have a couple of big POs. And so we need to be able to work eight or nine, 10 hour days. And that's hard with a commissary kitchen. So it is so, so hard, especially during holiday times, which, which really, you know, I mean, we start to get POs for holiday now, but most of the time people are definitely making and shipping more like around like August, September. Mm-hmm. And then from that time up until Christmas, the kitchens are so jam packed and it gets really stressful. And it's, it's hard to have a lot of people that you share with. Although I've met some of my best buddies doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, you know, when you're alone, um, but I've got uh, one full-time employee and a part-time employee and they now make all the product. When I come in to help, they're like, you're really slow. Please oh. go away. <laughs> like, Get out of here. Go count yeah. the jelly beans. <laughs> like, you go do the other stuff. <laughs> do you have any innovations that you're thinking about for the future? Or are you just looking at flavor line extensions? Well, the innovations would be um, just how we are producing. It is... It's better, but it's still pretty um, cumbersome, you know, to make the little pieces. So yeah. we've got some equipment actually that came in uh, that we need to get set up that will help with the production of That's things. That's great. Because it does need to be more streamlined as we scale. Wonderful. Wow. So if you could do one thing and pick, maybe let's see, if you could choose a movie star to represent your company, who would it be? 
Oh, or a well, famous person doesn't have to yeah. be a movie star. Um, Katie Lee, I've talked with her. She found us at a store once and posted about us uh, from the kitchen. Nice. Um, yeah, we've we've tapped into some of the LA crowd, uh, which is great. I don't know that I have one specific person. We've got a few mu- musicians that are going to be releasing albums that are loyal followers and and love the product. Um, that's cool because that's yeah. actually great. What I call guerrilla marketing. So if you yeah. can keep them, keep their pantry full of your product, they'll talk about you Yeah, and stuff like that. It's a nice trade off. It is. It is nice. I'll, I'll ship it to them. <laughs> yeah. Ship them some, well, especially when you have a new flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Do you cool. have any um, advice for, people who are wanting to start a business or just getting started? Well, I know people love to say, uh, just do it, just get going. But I kind of wish that I had had just a little more information about how to get going. Um, I think it's important that if you are thinking of starting a business, definitely find somebody who's been doing it for a few years Mm-hmm. And say, what would you change about the way you started? Was it the way you set your company up? Should you be an LLC or should you be a, a C Corp? Um, what, because those can affect the future. Yeah, they um, do. You know, and then also just learning. For me, being so left brained, I would like to have had it mapped out a little bit more of what to expect. So I really should have interacted with the community before I became part of the community and learned a little more. I mean, it's trial and error and you have to learn it. So you do need to just get going. But I would say seek out a mentor first, ask them some specific questions and then get started. That's great advice. Yeah. I think that's really good advice too. I I get a lot of people who um, reach out to me mostly before, I mean, now that I have the podcast, I think that, um, what I always tell people is they should listen to the podcast and not necessarily just because of hearing the things that Sarah and I have to say, but you can really learn from all of the people yeah. that have been on the show. And There's so more than 70. Yeah. And then That's I think from that people find people who have a business that is more like theirs and then mm-hmm, can ask yes. them specific questions. Cause I know hot sauce, but I don't know everything about everybody else's business, you know? So I, right. I, it's always nice to like have this forum for different people to find each other and connect and, and get advice from one another. Cause I think it's so important. Michelle, yeah, would, would you, would you be a mentor if somebody came oh, to yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Because, um, this was not in my wheelhouse. You know, I was an accountant, very happy behind a computer. And so a lot of trial and error and learning and, I mean, it's been like a whole journey of almost like faith because you need to be focused on the good and kind of, you know, manifest, put it out there that I can compete at this event. I can do this. I can get in the stores because if you have the attitude of, well, I just, I just can't, that's what you're going to attract. And so that's been a lot of learning of how to be positive, how to put out, you know, good intentions instead of focusing on a negative situation. Very good. Well, and I think you've really figured it out because even just talking to you today, I mean, the way you talk about your business, I'm sure it has changed over the last five years. I mean, you're very confident in what you do and able to explain it very well. And I think that that just shows that you have practiced doing it and you get better at it. I always tell people to do as many markets as they can, even if that's not their end goal, but it's, you, I always oh. thought of every farmer's market as like practice in front of customers. <laughs> my exactly. first, one more little story. My first farmer's market, Cedar Hill, very small, 20 vendors, you know, it's not very big. The night before I told Jeff, he had to write me a script because mm-hmm. I had no idea what to say. I thought I was going to throw up having to talk oh. to people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, and and now I pitched for the Kehi face-off event that we're going nice. to find out about. So, you know, it yeah. you learn and you, you grow. 
And you only really learn and grow by doing it over and over yeah. until you get it right and you figure it out. But then that's what makes it. So now you can come in here and talk about it and not feel like you're going to throw up. And that's do right. a really and good you, job. You know what I've noticed over the years is that we have all different kinds of people coming to be food entrepreneurs and their story has to line up with their knowledge base. So when you go talk about your business, you should be talking about the finance side and the things that are important to you because it's going to be super genuine and people are going to, it's going to be believable. And that's, that's, what's going to be important. You have to be super genuine. Good point. Well, I also think that that your story of your connection to your husband is a big piece of it. You know, you have that, that love for each other. And so then you have it for your business. And I think it, it really shines out when you talk about it and when you Mm -hmm. tell that story. And I think that's an important piece for people to connect with you guys and your business. Well, and the whole reason we started this business is for our family. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to be able to grow it. Um, and eventually we want to be able to sell it because we want to be able to help out we have nine children. We will have 13 grandchildren by the end of the summer. Oh, <laughs> so, so we want to do something that, that could help benefit. benefit That's a family. lot of birthday parties. I wonder if you serve chocolate. <laughs> We're driving to Utah Friday, another birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Well, ladies, this is my least favorite part of the show because it's time for me to tell you to wrap it up. So we are, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, We want to make sure that people connect to you and your business, Michelle. So will you tell us your Instagram and then your website so they can go buy all the chocolate? Okay. Our Instagram is really easy. It's CocaCow, C-O-C-A-C-A-O. And our website is the same, CocaCow.com. Perfect. We encourage people to reach out to you and reach out to your website and find you. And thank you so much for all of the wonderful things that you shared with us today and for being a guest on the show. And it's nice to finally virtually meet you. Yeah. Yeah, It's nice to meet you too. (laughs) We record Missoni and Marshall live every Friday. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message at our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall. Until next week, thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisher folk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.